Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. I'm Brian No. He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. I want to welcome in LaFonso Ellis, ESPN college basketball analyst, and just a connoisseur of all things basketball over here. Fonz, welcome in, man. You know, I'm just curious how you felt about your first NBA team. You played for the Nuggets for six seasons, and they just won it all. What was that night like for you when they beat the Miami Heat in Game 5? Oh, it was awesome. I had to, my wife and I had the privilege of sitting right there and witnessing it live. And I said to her, it felt like a sense of relief because I think um, any player that's played for the Denver Nuggets for any particular length and was inspired and moved by the city and its fans um, and had a chance to, we all wanted to have an opportunity to get to an NBA Finals and win one, not only for ourselves, but for the city. I had the privilege of being the starting power forward on the 1994 Denver Nuggets team that became the first number eight seed to be the number one seed in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And with being the third youngest team, uh, though we didn't win it that that year, we thought we'd have many years to try to compete for it. And that just wasn't meant to be. And so to have this group that is such a likable group led by uh, (laughs) a guy who's a future Hall of Famer and Nikola Jokic, it was just I, I felt a great sense of relief and a great sense of just excitement uh, for these guys and what they've been able to accomplish. And I was thrilled, of course, to be there uh, live and witness them win game five. By the way, Fonz, you could have grabbed the ball like Dikembe Mutombo. You know what I mean? With Mutombo laying on the ground and hugging the ball. We needed you in that shot, Fonz. (laughs) No, no, no. Not, Not me. I was actually standing with... Uh, Brian Williams, who we changed his name to Bison Daly, he and I were standing there uh, with our arms wrapped around each other, and I was pointing up to my wife because we, we what a great experience because the entire front office staff was flown to Seattle for Game 5 as well. So to be able to close it out on the road uh, with my teammates and with all of our loved ones up in the stands was really special. Fonz, I know there's probably some aspect of what happens during Denver celebrations stays in Denver celebrations, <laughs> but can, can you walk us through any any little, I pardon the pun, this is an unintentional, but I've walked into it. Can you share any nuggets from what happened within uh, the uh, post-game uh, celebrations and, and what you did afterwards when they won it all? Well, one of my favorite ones was my wife and I, we decided to stay uh, afterwards to not only take it in, but to just just kind of mill around because there's so many security uh, personnel who were there during my time who are still there. Uh, Few people who worked in the front offices and in different roles are still there. And so one of the cooler ones for me was, uh, I didn't know this, but after uh, media is done in the media room, uh, many of the players and coaches would come out to the main floor where you had a lot of media personnel still out there. And so, um, Michael Malone was being interviewed right in front of me and, and we caught each other's eyes. So he raised his fist, pointed at me. I did the same. And then within about a half hour mm. period, he was walking through. We got a chance to hug each other. And of course, he's 
soaked <laughs> in champagne. And uh, he looked at me and said something that still moves me to this moment. He's like, Fonz, you and the guys who uh, participated and wore that uniform for any significant time, you guys laid the foundation for, for, for us to be able to win it today. And so this is much about us and what we've done, but also about the foundation that you guys laid. And that just that that's like perfect Michael Malone, so aware of all aspects of uh, the Denver Nuggets. And I was just moved by the fact that he would say that to me. And of course, he would be saying that to any former Nuggets player that wore that uniform for an extended period of time. So uh, a great experience um, overall. But that was a remarkable moment that I'll never forget. Man, that is just respect to the nth degree right there. And I, I just think if I were in your shoes, Fonts, I would feel like, man, your last year w- with Denver was in 98. That's, that's like 25 years ago. Yeah. And, and they invite you out there, and Malone says all those things to you, and I would feel like, wow, man, they, they haven't forgotten me. You, you know how things work in the sports world. Like Something that happened two, three years ago can be out of sight, out of mind. We're talking 25 years, and they're still treating you with high class. That, that is... That is really impressive by them. Yeah, undeserved and yet uh, so appreciated. We, we're very grateful. We were we were out there for game two and then back out there for game five. And, and Michael Malone from day one, there's a time uh, many years ago that the Nuggets were recruiting me to come do, to go and do TV and radio uh, for them. And so that was in the early stages of Mike Malone's tenure with the Nuggets. And so got to know him and he's always been very kind and extending uh, towards me. Uh, we felt that ESPN was a better spot for us. And so we decided to stay. Uh, but anytime we, I go into town, he's always very quick to acknowledge me, which I don't deserve because it's not like I'm an all-star or my Jersey is hanging from the rafters up there. Like the great Byron Beck, Dan Issel, David Thompson, Alex English, all of those, Dikembe Mutombo, all of those guys. Uh, so it's not necessary, but I certainly appreciate it. Fonz, when you look at what the Nuggets were able to do and the process of patience that was practiced mm-hmm. within that front office and by mm-hmm. Michael Malone, yes, we will take away for the sake of the conversation that, yes, they hit one out of the park that will probably never be duplicated in the value that they got with where they drafted Nikola Jokic. But that sure. overall concept of patience, how lost of an art is that in professional sports today? And why is it sometimes or can be sometimes a missing ingredient that teams, for example, like our Indiana Pacers right now, as they're in this process of a rebuild, need to remember that it takes time to build these things? Yeah, you, you nailed it. The, the pressure to win is so immense these days that it can sometimes cloud our judgment. And I I applaud the Denver Nuggets brass and what they were willing to do. They knew they had a stud in Nikola Jokic uh, by year two, certainly by year three. So Jamal Murray gets hurt and he goes down. He misses over a year and a half. And the tendency is to panic at that point and try to replace or maybe move him on and try to get something either through the draft or try to get something in free agency. They held they 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 held the court. Then then all of a sudden Michael Porter Jr. has a back injury and you know how great how interesting and intricate uh, back injuries can be. And so you don't know if he's really uh, going to return. So you could panic at that point. They they didn't. They stood pat. And now all of a sudden, and, and, and interestingly enough, uh, when I was 
being interviewed uh, for the job uh, for the Denver Nuggets radio and television, it was uncertain whether Mike Malone would actually get an extension. And so wow. they they hold Pat with two injuries. They they secure Michael Malone for an extended period, um, and and that's a great lesson in patience and 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 awareness from the Nuggets brass, and that has contributed greatly to their being the 2023 NBA champions, and I applaud them for that. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. We're talking to LaFonso Ellis from ESPN here on The Fan. How about that if you look around the NBA, Fonz, a couple of places stand out. Nick Nurse won a championship with the Raptors out of a job. Mike Budenholzer, just two years ago, won a championship with the Bucks. He's out of a job. When you think of your organization, the Nuggets, the one you started off with, and what they've done with Michael Malone, do you look at the Bucks and Raptors and say, maybe you should have been more patient instead of making a change? I think they definitely should have been more paid, particularly in the case of Milwaukee, because Giannis is not going anywhere, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's a similar issue. Chris Middleton has dealt with a ton of issue, uh, injury issues over the last several years, and that's kept them from being uh, multi-year champions. And I, again, that that pressure to win and that pressure that you're getting from fans and 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 the media boards and and all of that, you, you got to really consider uh, the decisions that you're making because momentum's a funny thing. You win. You're on your way to winning it, and if you're privileged to to be able to finally get one, uh, it's 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 not always going to be where you're going to win it the next year. And 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 you got to make sure that you keep your team chemistry. And I think you also have to uh, keep your chemistry with your coaching staff as well. So I was disappointed when Budenholzer was let go. And it's going to be interesting to see if the Milwaukee Bucks can recapture the magic that they had in his absence. Lafonso, I know that you aren't following on a regular basis the inner workings of the Indiana Pacers. You have a job of covering college hoops and, and plenty of else on your plate. Just but, a little bit. But, but but that being said, you you follow these prospects, even those that maybe aren't in the college ranks. I know that guys like the Thompson Twins have come across your radar. Pacers have the seventh pick in this year's draft. They're hoping this is another piece that is going to be a part of their core that reestablishes them within the playoff and hopefully down the line championship conversation. We look at guys in that range, guys like the Thompson Twins, Cam Whitmore, Anthony Black, Jairus Walker, Grady Dick, to name a few. Who stands out at you at the top of this draft for the Pacers in this scenario would be staying at seven that could potentially be a piece that grows into something truly special for them? Yeah, I saw in the men Thompson, the the Thompson twins. My, I'm an '80s guy, so I love the Thompson twins. <laughs> they're, 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 they they would be intriguing if they would either of them would be around uh, in in that area because you get explosive athletes, uh, both six seven. One a better better ball handler than the other, so you could play that person. You can play that one, a man at the point guard position. The other one's a little bit more defensive minded uh, with, with the men, so um, they would be certainly. Uh, good picks at that seventh spot, but I'm big on the ability to be able to knock down shots. And when I think about a, a shot maker who can make them off the move, off the catch, he's a really good catch and shoot guy. He can make shots on the move, and I think he's an underrated uh, player off the dribble. And I would 
Grady Dick, I've just been really pleased with his toughness. He's a fierce competitor. He's a willing defender. And when you have a guy comes along that can knock down shots, I'd say you can't close a blind eye to that guy. And I really, really like Grady Dick. He's taller than you think, too. I'm standing next to him in the NBA um, combine. He came to sit up with us on the desk. And I stood up and gave him a hug and wished him well. He's actually my height. I wouldn't be be surprised if he's more like 6'8", barefooted. And so the have that kind of size, that type of length. He's bouncy. Uh, he'll try to dunk it on you if he's, if he's at the rim. But the shooting is what stands out. And I, I think any team in the league can use a guy who can knock down shots, and not to mention the Pacers. Man, Fonz, you look at the Pacers, they have a couple of low first-round picks also. And you just think about the NBA Finals that we saw. It's not just Nikola Jokic in the second round, but Jimmy Butler. He was a 30th overall pick. That's at the very end of the first round. I'm not asking you to point out who the next guy is going to be, but if it's a non-lottery pick, is there a guy that you look at and say, I could see him having a really solid career? Hmm. I have to think about that one a little bit more because I've been away from it. Obviously, kind of season ended in early April, so I've been away from my boards a little bit. Uh, yeah, no, no one comes to mind right now that would be a an impact player like that because Jimmy Butler, I had the privilege of covering him when he was at Marquette. And actually, my wife went to a game with me up there when Buzz was the coach. And uh, I, I remember saying to her, when you play for Buzz, you have to be able to guard. And, of course, he's at that time was playing with two players who, uh, at least on a national basis, were more known than he. But I thought Jimmy Butler would be a killer when he went to the NBA, and he's proved to be so. And once in the NBA, having played two years for Pat Riley, um, I thought he was a Miami Heat type of player. I think his, his – uh, take charge personality and no nonsense about work and winning. Uh, I I told her it wasn't going to work on the previous teams that he had been at, but it will work perfectly in Miami because that's the culture. I I don't see, I don't see a guy quite like that in the middle and latter parts of the draft. And so I'm, I'm, I'm a little at a loss for, for a guy because that dude right there from day one had the, had the physical traits, the mental toughness, the physical toughness, and then would continue, Continued to develop a skill because he was always good off the dribble, able to get to the rim. The improved area of his game was the ability to be able to stretch it to keep defenses honest. And I don't see that kind of guy in this year's draft in the middle, later part of the draft. Fonz, let's keep it local then and look at two Indiana prospects that are now gone and headed to the NBA draft and Jalen hood Shafino and Trace Jackson-Davis. Obviously, two different play styles there, but both hoping to be able to find their way and find their roles within the NBA, which whichever team they end up with usually it's mid to late first round is where they're both projected Jalen obviously closer to that lottery level than than Trace in terms of inside the top 15 but what do you look at and see with where they need to grow the most and how they could contribute with those two Indiana Hoosiers I really love uh, Jalen Hood-Shafino. I think he'll actually be better in the NBA than he was in college. And the reason is he'll have more room to operate just because of the the defensive rules and uh, defensive three seconds, et cetera. He'll have more room to be able to get in the lane and make plays. Obviously, the area of his game that he can continue to improve, and he's solid now, but I think he'll be great once he gets in the NBA and start working with shooting coaches, his ability to knock down threes. But when you look at his 
his physicality. He's a strong finisher at the rim. He's got a nice pull-up Jay. He's got a, a, a big body uh, for a point guard, can defend mul- multiple positions. And I think he's a really good uh, pick-and-roll player now, but I think he's going to be a terrific pick-and-roll player in the league because, of, again, because of spacing, many uh, bigs, uh, especially centers and fours in our league playing drop coverage. It'll get him more room to be able to operate when he's coming off of those ball screens. So I'm excited for him. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis, I've loved him since he was a freshman. Uh, Bouncy, runs the floor. He's long. uh, He's really good operating from the free throw line down, can finish with either hand around the rim. Uh, He's an excellent shot blocker. So you talk about those undersized uh, four guys who you can play even in a small ball five situation. Trace Jackson certainly uh, fits the bill. And he's a Trace Jackson Davis, rather, certainly fits the bill and I think he's a willing defender as well so I see him initially as a floor runner lob threat um, isolation guy that you could put in isolation situations 15 18 feet out and he can get to the rim and finish Uh, he'll be really good in short roll situations the area of his game that'll have to improve to be able to space the floor is to be able to knock down open threes and I think his mechanics are good enough that he'll be able to shoot it at least proficiently at around the 34-35% clip as he gets older in the league. LaFonso Ellis from ESPN joining us here on The Fan. I'm just curious uh, to get your takeaway. The John Morant suspension was announced today. It's 25 games. And I'm just curious, as a former NBA player, when you look at Ja, what, in your opinion, does he need to do to put himself in a better position to be more mature and to be a better leader? I think he's got to just own the fact that he's put himself, uh, his family, his team, his organization, his city in a uh, compromised uh, situation. And uh, I've read that he's been going to get counseling and uh, he's going to be given great tools to be able to help him grow and mature. Uh, having gone to counseling in the past myself, marriage counseling, you're giving, you're given all these dis- different tools, but it has to come from inside of you to want to be better. And he's got to apply those tools to help him grow and, and improve. And he's, if he's willing to do that and surround himself with the right, right people who will not be yes people and benefiting from him, but that'll push him to be better. Then I think we'll see a better version of John Morant going forward. If not, then we'll see much of the same. Fonz, you're the man. Always great to visit with you. Hope you have a a great weekend. And hey, happy Father's Day to you a couple of days early. I appreciate it. Likewise to you guys. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Thanks, family. Thank you. Thank you. There he is, LaFonzo Ellis, ESPN College basketball analyst. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. I want to welcome in Aaron Torres, Fox Sports Radio host, Aaron Torres podcast, covers things, college football, college basketball, life, professional sports, man's man. 
How's everything wow. going, A. Torres? Everything good? Did I hit everything, every key point? I feel like the red carpet's been laid out quite nicely. You? Well, the man's man really put it over the top. You know, it was like they were like, well, you know, he likes college basketball. I don't know. I'm not sold on it. Oh, he's a man's man. Okay. He must, be eating, he must be eating raw meat in the corner by himself. Okay, cool. He's cool. Let, let's have him on. Let's let him through. So, uh, but I'm good. How are you guys doing? Great, man. It's so true. That's the re- power of a referral. Everything yeah, that you've been saying. working your genitals off for, it's sort of like We're white noise nothing. to some people. Like, oh, yeah, he's got this podcast. Oh, he covers these sports. Man's man. That's a guy I want to know right there. You know, that's the man, way a referral man. works. So, 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 so he just pulls out babies out of wells and on the weekend for fun just when he needs to, when he, when he needs to fill a few hours. Yeah, that's basically – you just basically summed me up in a nutshell, Brian. So I'm good. So you guys are good. What's new over there in Indy? Everything's great. You know, we'll hone in on Indy in a second, but I want to go a little bit broader. We were just talking about Stephen A. Smith throwing his name into the hat to at least be a fill-in host for when Pat Sajak walks away from Wheel of Fortune. What do you think about Stephen A. as the Wheel of Fortune host? Um, I just, I'm very fascinated by like this, this era of Stephen A where I understand you want to branch out and he's done some acting, but now he's doing politics. Um, I guess what I would say is I had not heard that story. I don't think it would be a good role for him. The, 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 the host of wheel of fortune, you're kind of Chris Paul, you're setting everybody else up. You're not the star of the show. Stephen A, you can like him. You can dislike him. He's the, the star of essentially every room that he walks in. So feels like a weird fit but listen i mean you know i mean hey throw your hat in the ring i mean if they want to try you out try you out i had not heard that i he doesn't strike me as as the perfect fit for that job yeah no i'd be a little bit lower on my list how about this too i'm just thinking about and we'll get into all things nba draft coming up next thursday but you as your college football college basketball junkie aaron Mm -hmm. do you watch the nba draft more from a college basketball perspective or more from an NBA perspective? You know, it's an interesting question, Brian. Um, You know, I I kind of look at it as, you know, years ago, John Calipari used to call it graduation day. Um, And, you know, I think when you love college basketball and and even when you cover it, um, you're not like learning about a guy, um, you know, the day that he enrolls at Kansas or Duke, like you're probably, you know, at least in passing, seeing him at some high school events. Like it was funny this week watching Aaron Gordon. I remember meeting Aaron Gordon when he was a, a like a junior in high school and we shook hands and we did the thing of like, Oh, your name's Aaron. My name's Aaron. You're cool. I'm cool. And like, we had a little like moment and he was like 18 and not, this was, you know, probably what 2012 2013 something like that so you know 11 12 years ago and so I I just bring it up because it is a cool moment um I don't do like the tally of like well Duke had this many so this means they underachieved if they didn't do that I guess I look at it as more of an NBA perspective but Brian I'll tell you this increasingly I just look at it as like a standalone thing like it's not really college like I guess like a Kentucky fan or Kansas keeps a scoreboard, but it's not, I don't even think it's really an NBA thing at this point because the guys are so young that 
virtually all of them aren't going to make any sort of major contribution for another four, five, six years. So it's like, you know, you, again, Aaron Gordon is a perfect example. Lottery pick that is now a role player, two or three teams removed from who he got drafted by. Um, you know, Jamal Murray was a lottery pick, but this is what, year seven for him? I think he got drafted in 2016. So I, I watch it. I enjoy it. I have increasingly, you know, cared less and less about who gets drafted where because even on draft night there's a million different trades and this and that. Um, I think it's cool. I think it's fun to watch, you know, guys that you've covered maybe for three or four years at that point, you know, kind of their lives change forever and that that lifelong goal be achieved. But with the NBA, it's just so different than the NFL because it's not a Joe Burrow or a Justin Jefferson or a whomever that you know like week one – I'm going to turn on red zone, and that guy's going to be there, if that makes sense. Aaron, I want to pivot away from college basketball for just a second since we have you here. You were covering heavily the last two weeks both the SEC and Big Ten mm. schedule releases. Yeah, Your takeaways from for the common fan that is still not getting used to the idea of having all these moves from conference to conference, of seeing Texas over in the SEC in 2024, UCLA and USC in the Big Ten in 2024, and even though it's a conference war, but nationally SEC is probably still king, your observations from both of those conferences and their future schedule models. Well, it's something I actually don't think has been talked about enough. Like, college football as a sport is going to just fundamentally be so different in 2024. And so you could use the schedule to kind of talk about it. But, you know, like, think about Oklahoma, right? So, like, Oklahoma's schedule gets released the other day. And, you know, they do, they go through the whole, you know, seven stages of grief of, like, oh, my God, this just got real. Like, we have at LSU, at whatever, Alabama at home – but I also just – I don't think people realize, like, college football as a – like, the fundamental way in which we consume it is going to change because, one, you have the two conferences adding teams, but you also have the 12-team college football playoff. And so, you know, as an example, I'll give you an example from this year. LSU and Florida State will both start in the top ten. Um this year, they play the first Sunday, Labor Day weekend, so literally like the second or third day of the season. One of those teams is going to take a loss and is going to be battling uphill all year long to get back in the national championship conversation and is basically going to be one loss away from being eliminated. In 2024, excuse me, that's not going to be the case. It's going to be like the NFL where an LSU could potentially take three losses and still have a chance to compete for a championship. And I don't think fans have like fully wrapped their heads around like, you know, we're going to want to come on on that first Monday or Tuesday after the holiday and say, LSU lost, you know, Brian Kelly, was he overrated? Was he this? It's like, it doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, they can lose next week and it won't matter. And so that's the thing that I think stands out to me just about this new era that we're entering. Like everyone sees the bright lights of, oh, Texas is playing Alabama and Georgia's playing this team. And it's like, it's so much deeper than that. And like, I just, again, I just don't think people fully realize, you know, again, there's going to be coaches that two years ago, three years ago would have gotten fired after certain seasons that are going to be able to make the playoff or the, 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 the reverse of it. There's going to be coaches that make the playoff that probably are on a downward trajectory that end up getting fired. So it's just a totally different world we're about to enter. And as I said, I think that, you know, in sports, I think for the most part, pretty much everything is over covered at this point. But like a sport in the way we consume it is going to fundamentally change. And like, I don't think people realize, like, I'll just give you an example. Imagine if just next year I told you, 
oh, the NBA playoffs is single elimination. It mm. just completely changes the way that we <laughs> consume the sport. Oh, March Madness, it's, it's only 12 teams that make the NCAA tournament. We're like, wow, that's shocking. That's so different. That's what's happening in college football, and I don't think people fully realize that. He's Aaron Torres joining us here on The Fan. The John Morant suspension, 25 games. Jimmy brought this point up at the beginning of the show where he said he thinks you could make an argument that the suspension is worse for the Grizzlies than it is for John Morant. I'm curious what you think about that and just the suspension in general if you think Ja is going to turn things around here. Well, you know, I I was out most of the morning, so I haven't had a chance to really dive in. But my first reaction is um, how dumb some people must think that we as consumers are because wasn't it a week ago that John Morant was trying to tell us it was a fake gun and that, you know, it wasn't what we thought, and now he's sending out heartfelt apologies about how terrible he feels? Well, if it was a fake gun, which you were just claiming literally a week ago, then why are you apologizing? You shouldn't be apologizing at all. You should be fighting this. Oh, you think we're dumb, just like you thought we were dumb when you said that you went to rehab for two days and you were fixed the first time. So, you know, what I would just say is, like, fundamentally the suspension, um, I can't say that I have, like, a big gripe with it because I do understand the nuance of he did not break any laws. Um and he really, you know, I think he, he, he may have broken the league's code of conduct in Denver, but this most recent time, it's the off season. He's in a state where he's allowed to carry a gun, but I also understand the optics of, you know, I understand the optics of it's just bad for the league. The thing that I keep going back to is that, you know, he's not only one of the faces of the league, but they're in the middle of a, uh, you know, uh, what do you call it, a media rights negotiation, and you don't want one of the faces of your league, um, you know, acting the way that he's acting off the court. So I, I think I'm okay with 25. I, I would have liked to see it be a little bit more just because of the mockery that he made of the first one. But again, I also understand that there's a players union that no laws were broken. And if no laws were broken, then it's kind of hard to like really, really, really bring down the hammer on him. Aaron Torres with us at Fox Sports Radio, host of the Aaron Torres podcast, covers college football and college basketball at large. Going back to the NBA draft, Pacers have the seventh pick. We had a conversation a little bit earlier with Lafonso Ellis, who who had mentioned you know players that were on his radar within that range. He'd been very complimentary of the Thompson twins and what they could potentially bring to the table. Obviously, varying ranges there for those two particular prospects. But when you look at that post Wembenyama, post Scoot Henderson, post Miller, you get really into the four to ten range of the draft. What what jumps out at you on paper? Is this, uh, Jimmy, specifically for the Pacers or just in general? I want to operate under the world the Pacers would take best available. So let's say general. Let's not go to specifics with them. Yeah, yeah, because I was going to say, you guys would know their needs better than I do. Um, you know, I, it's an interesting draft. I actually find, like, the – honestly, probably around the time that like, – like, I think after three, there's a big drop. But I think, like – eight through 25. Like, I don't think there's, there's that much of a difference between any of those guys. And I think it's going to turn into, you know, fit in, in various spots. Um, after the first three, you know, the guy that I'm, I'm really intrigued by is Anthony black. Um, you know, uh, Arkansas guard, six foot seven ish. And it's interesting, you know, little, little shameless plug, but, you know, I had his coach, Eric Musselman, former NBA head coach on my podcast this week. And one thing about Anthony Black that I don't think people realize, another thing that's gone kind of, I think, a little bit undercovered 
he was a very high-level football player, and for a long time in his career, people thought he would go D1 in football and put basketball aside. And, and literally until his junior year of, football, of high school, played football, had offers from most of the Big 12, Baylor, TCU, those kind of schools. And so I, I think he's an incredible talent, and I also think he's just starting to scratch the surface of his potential, where you have some of these kids, they've, they've specialized in basketball since they're 12, 13 years old, haven't done anything else. You know, in the case of the Thompson Twins, have gone to OTE where it's basketball, 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 where you have this kid that was a true student athlete and then a two-sport athlete up until about a year ago on top of it. Um, I'm not saying that his path is any better or worse or, you know, the Thompson twins made the wrong decision. I just think that there's probably a lot more room to grow and that you just can't find guys at six, 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 seven, like him that can do the things that he does. I think he's going to have a very good NBA career. He's, he's the guy outside of the top three that I'm most excited about. Hey, Aaron, thanks for the time, man. Good to catch up with you. Any crazy plans for this weekend? Uh, hosting four hours of radio with Jason Martin. Um, 8 to 11 or uh, 7 to 11 Pacific, 11 to whatever your time, 11 to (laughs) 2 your time. I'm not good with math right now. Now, I I had a little guy's trip last weekend. So last weekend was kind of the crazy weekend. Today, just watching the U.S. Open, kind of jealous. It's like 20 minutes from where I live, but I completely forgot that it was here until like yesterday. Uh, So never bothered to look into tickets. You know, Brian, if you know someone, I know you're a big swinger out here on the West Coast. So if you know someone that can get me a ticket, That'd be big time. So look at if you could do that in the commercial break, if you could find me a ticket, that'd be huge. <laughs> okay, I'll do a quick search, and I'll hit you up if anything comes forth. How's that sound? That sounds good, man. Thank you All so right, much. Man. All right, thank you. Aaron Torres, Fox Sports Radio host, Aaron Torres podcast, all things college football and college basketball.